Masechet Ketubot Daf Ayin Gimel. We're speaking about this Mishnah that someone does Kiddushin on condition that his wife has no vows. And it turns out she does have vows. So retroactively, uh, they were never, the Kiddushin was never valid because the condition was not met. Um, if they get married without any condition, and it turns out she has vows, uh, so the marriage is a marriage because there's no condition, but since she did have vows and he didn't want her to have vows, uh, so she, uh, she can divorce her and does not have to pay her ketubah. Okay, there's two ways to read this as two separate um, two separate cases, or as one continuous case, that first he does Kiddushin with a condition, and then he does Nisuin without a condition. We're going to see that the two ways to read that are going to depend on the following Machloket. Itmar, Kidsha al-Tenai Stam. Someone who does Kiddushin uh, with a condition, but then the marriage is uh, without a condition. In other words, reading Amrishna in a continuous way. Rav Amad Sericha Hemenu Get, Ushmel Amad Ena Sericha Hemenu Get. Rav says they require a get, uh, meaning that the marriage is a marriage. Uh, presumably, it looks like Rav, the reason for Rav is. Uh, that the um, even though the kiddushin was with a condition, once he did the ma- once he did the marriage, and he didn't repeat the condition at the marriage, it looks like he's he's foregoing on that condition. And he's changing his mind. Okay, that's what we would presume right now. Although we're gonna um, correct that in a minute. Uh, Shemuel says he does not need to get. Because the Kiddushin was on a condition, so we assume the condition continues, and when they do the marriage, the Nisuin, the Nisuin also depends on the very same condition as before, and uh, therefore, if, it's, if it turns out that condition is not fulfilled, uh, let's say if it's vows, that she has vows, uh, then she, they, they, no need for a get retroactively. They were never married. Amad Now, Abaye is going to be one of two interpretations of the Machloka between the Rav and Shemuel. So Abaye says, Lo Do not think what you would think, uh, with, with the way I explained it uh, just now, that the reason of Rav is because once they marry without any condition, so that means he is foregoing his condition. And so even though he made the Kiddushin with the condition, but then the Nisuins, if he doesn't repeat it, it means that he just wants to uh, marry her. No, don't think that. Uh, because if you think that, then the Mishnah wouldn't make sense. So look at the Mishnah here. Uh, it says that the uh, once he does this, he marries her without a condition. He can divorce her, but without a ketuvah. If he if he foregoes the condition, then he should have to pay the ketuvah. Uh, so that can't be the reason. Instead, going back to uh, Rava's exp- explanation, sorry, Abaye's explanation, um, is that rather, it's because a person does not want his relations to be one of promiscuity. If someone has relations, he wants, wants it to be within the context of proper marriage. Therefore, even though he did make a condition at the time of Kiddushin, and that condition would be effective until Nisuin, if he would find out that she had vows, and then, uh, then retroactively, that Kiddushin would be nothing. However, once he does Nisuin and consummates the marriage through Bi'ah, 
So that means that he doesn't want retroactively the Kiddushin to be nothing because then his Bi'ah would be promiscuous. And he's not that kind of guy. He's an upright, upstanding man. And so therefore, he does not want the condition to kick in. Nevertheless, even though he doesn't want the Kiddushin to be retroactively annulled, it doesn't matter, that doesn't mean that he forgoes his concern about vows. He still wants to make sure she has no vows. Therefore, the Kituva payment is still dependent on her not having vows. Right? He does still care about it, so they are fully married. But if it turns out she has vows, then you could say, oh, listen, the, the, but the Kituva payment, that was on condition that you have no vows. So that is the reason. So it's mo- mostly because what he has in mind when he consummates the marriage in Bi'ah. Okay. Ha peligi ba hada zimna. Uh, whereas, uh, on the other hand, Shemuel, according to this explanation, would say that uh, he, uh, he, did, he, he did the Kiddushin on condition, and then when he does Nisuin, he doesn't mind that it also be a condition on Nisuin, and if it turns out he, that she has vows, then retroactively it will turn out that that, marriage, that Bi'ah was not in the context of a marriage, but rather was, was promiscuous, Shemuel would say a person would rather that than have to be uh, stuck in such, uh, in, in such a marriage. He would rather the marriage not to have been there at all. Okay, now we ask. This Machlok Betunav and Shemuel, we already saw it another time. Why do we need to know about it twice? A minor girl whose father died and he, she is married off by her mother or her brother. That's a conditional or dirabanan marriage. She has a right to refuse. Um, so it's conditional on her not refusing. That's why it's similar to this case. It's not actually conditional marriage. It's just that it is a marriage, dirabanan. Until, uh, uh, unless she refuses, until she's an adult. Once she's an adult, if they have bi'ah after that, with intention that this will make it a biblical marriage, uh, then they are biblically married. So she gets, uh, she uh, becomes an adult, and then let's say she goes and does a marriage ceremony with a second guy, without getting a divorce in the me- uh, in between. So what's the status? Rav Amar get Misheni. Rav says she doesn't need to get from the second guy because she's fully married to the first guy. Anytime if a woman is fully married to one guy, any kiddushin or nisuin, she could do a hundred ceremonies with someone else. It's not going to do anything. She's already taken. Uh, but uh, so so Rav here says even though her marriage originally was in Dirabanan, once she becomes an adult, a, a, a man's not going to want his relations to be that of outside the context of marriage. So therefore, he's going to have in mind uh, that immediately after she becomes an adult, the next bi'ah will be for the sake of making their marriage biblical. Therefore, they're biblically married, fully married, and that's why the second so-called marriage is not a marriage at all and doesn't need any get. Shemuel says uh, that the husband, uh, the first husband, when he has a bi'ah, even after she gets, uh, she becomes an adult, doesn't necessarily have in mind that it's going to be uh, for biblical. He wants to continue the same relationship, the same as, as it was when she was a minor. It's a rabbinic relation, it's a rabbinic marriage, and therefore, if she goes and gets married to another guy, that biblical marriage can be valid. And therefore, she she would require a get from the second husband. So you see that both of these controversies are based on the same fundamental premise 
whether a person will allow a bi'ah to be outside the context of marriage. Rav says no, and Shemuel says yes. Okay, so why do I need both of them? If I only knew the case over there regarding the minor girl who, who grows up. Maybe that's where Rav says that it becomes a biblical marriage, a person does have in mind uh, be that it should be a full marriage because there's no condition. It's a marriage unless she does, unless she refuses. So that's where he would say, that yes, it becomes a full marriage. But in the case of a condition where he says, I, I, Kiddushin is only on condition that you don't have a vow. Maybe in that case, I might think that I would agree with Shemuel that the condition continues and he doesn't want to be married to her and doesn't want even the Nisuin to be valid if she has a vow. So that's why I need the case here regarding the conditional the conditional kiddushin. And if I only had the one here regarding conditional kiddushin, Shemuel. Oh, maybe I might think that only here Shemuel says that the uh, that the nisuin is undone, and he has he 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 continues his condition even to the nisuin, and he's okay with his bia being outside of marriage because he it's all unconditioned. He really doesn't want vows. But in the case of the minor who grows up where there's no condition, maybe he would agree with Rav that as soon as she grows up, the next bia he will have in mind that this will be for a biblical marriage, and therefore would not require or get from the second Sericha, so that's why I need to this case also to teach that Shemuel disagrees in this case. All right. Okay, now that we understand that, we're going to ask a question against Shemuel from the language in our Mishnah. So in the second clause in our Mishnah, it says that if someone marries uh, without any condition, it turns out that there were vows, so she uh, he can divorce her and it does not pay a ketuvah. So we can infer, yeah, he doesn't have to pay a ketuvah, but you do need a get. But So why do you need a get according to Shemuel? Right, you just said, we're reading the cases continuously in the Mishnah in the Mishnah he did a kiddushin on condition and then he did the marriage with no condition that's the case that Rav and Shemuel are talking about and according to Shemuel she should not require a get retroactively uh, the kiddushin was not good and that continues into the nisuin which was, was also on condition so my love kiddushal tenayuch nasas setam Shemuel right aren't we talking about here in the Mishnah our very case of when they did kiddushin on condition and the marriage was without saying anything and this would challenge Shemuel and we answer, No, the second clause of the Mishnah is not necessarily continuing the first clause. It's saying something else. It's its own, it's its own case. It's a case where they did Kiddushin without condition. Nisuin without condition. Because there was no condition, that's why the Kiddushin is valid, the Nisuin is valid. So therefore, there's no retroactive uh, undoing. He has to give a get. Nevertheless, because she makes these vows and... Uh, we can assume people don't want these su- such vows that their wife will, will have. Therefore, he doesn't have to pay a kituvah. Still needs a get. Okay, good.
But now, still a question of how Shemuel is going to interpret the first clause. So Shemuel, you're saying that if he, indeed he did Kiddushin on condition, even though the marriage was without any condition, then you would not require a get because the Kiddushin was never valid. And he'd never had in mind that the Nisuin would be a standalone. It's so dependent on the condition as well. So, then I have a question. How come the Mishnah gives only a simple case? The Mishnah could have given a bigger Chidush. Why does the Mishnah only talk about a case where someone did Kiddushin on condition that she has no vows? And turns out she has, she has vows, and in that case, the Kiddushin is not valid. Tell me a case where she did the Kiddushin on condition, but then also got married without a condition. And even though after the condition, she got married without a condition, Nevertheless, uh, retroactively, the marriage is nothing, and there, then the kiddushin never happened. And then I'll know for sure that in the simpler case of just a just a kiddushin on condition without any subsequent marriage, for sure that would be undone. So why not? You, you should have uh, uh, talked about um, a bigger chidush if you really thought that, Shemuel. And so we answer, You're right, in fact, we're going to reinterpret the Mishnah to include precisely that case, all within that first clause of the Mishnah. So the case, as the Mishnah says, someone who does Kiddushin on condition that there's no vows, and then we add in, and he also married her without any condition, and anyway, after that it turns out that she had vows, and I'm a Kodesh, there's no Kiddushin, right, that's, so that's fits, fits with Shemuel, and that's, that's the big Kiddush. And then it says, But if there was no condition on the Kiddushin and no condition on the Nisuin, uh, and she has vows, then the marriage is valid. It's just that he doesn't have to pay the Kiddushin because we can assume that men in general will not want those those certain types of vows that we mentioned yesterday. Good. We now ask a more fundamental question regarding Shemuel's interpretation of the Mishnah. Uh, if a man mar- does Kiddushin and Nisuin without any condition, nevertheless, he does not have to pay Kitubah. So we infer uh, correctly that, yeah, he doesn't have to pay Kitubah, but he does have to give a get. So we ask, So what's the difference between that not paying Ketubah and requiring a get? Uh, regarding the Ketubah, he doesn't have to pay because the man can say, I don't want a wife who makes vows. And therefore, even if I don't say that explicitly, uh, we, we can assume that a man doesn't want a wife who's going to make vows that she's not um, wearing colored clothing uh, or eating meat. Uh, so that's an implicit condition. If so, then regarding the get also, he could say, I don't want that. It's an implicit condition, and therefore he can claim that this is a kiddushe ta'ut. Just like if I buy something and you sell me something else, um, this is not the thing I was, that, I was, uh, that I wanted to buy. Uh, and so, therefore, the sale is null and void. So, too, here, the Kiddushin should be null and void. If he doesn't have to pay the Kiddushin because of an implicit condition, then we should say an implicit condition and not require a get either.
answer, two answers. Amaraba Sericha get midibrehem. Vechen Amarav Chista Sericha get midibrehem. So the Amarav Chista say that you're right on the Deoraita level. There is an implicit condition. Nevertheless, he didn't say the the condition, um, and so. Um, it uh, kind of looks like they are married. So, we want to make sure that they get a get uh, because uh, everyone thought they were married and we don't want to just going and remarrying without doing anything. Rava said, it's not that it's a uh, get that's required, but rather a safek get. We're not sure. Tanaim, we're not sure whether this is, uh, we can apply uh, that the the this implicit condition or not, and so therefore, when you have a safek mamon, so we can be lenient and say, well, you don't have to pay because you know, let her go and prove that you were you didn't care about this condition, and so she can't prove that. So safek, uh, he doesn't have to pay. But regarding isur, we're still in safek. We're going to go let her marry someone else now when maybe she does, maybe she doesn't need a get from this other guy. So therefore, we have to be stringent when it comes to isur. All right, Amar Rabbah, Machloket Petahut Sheten Nashim. All that was the interpretation of Abaye regarding Rav and Shemuel. Now Rabbah gives a completely different interpretation that the Machloket between Rav and Shemuel is talking about a case of two women uh, where one of them deceives him, meaning a case where a man, Yaakov, marries Leah on condition that she has no vows. And uh, then they get divorced. Um, that was a good marriage. Uh, but, it was, but they got divorced. And then he marries Rachel without making a condition. So do we say that we continue the condition since he made a condition with the first one? So therefore, we assume that he also wants to make a condition with the second one, even though he didn't say it. And if therefore, if the, it turns out the second one, Ta'ut here means that she uh, tricked him and she in fact does have a vow, then uh, the, we, we, we know that since the, she made, he made the condition in the first case, therefore the condition will be valid in the second case as well. That would be Shemuel's position. Uh, so therefore, there's no get required from the second guy. Uh, whereas Rav would say, no, we cannot assume that. He, he made a condition with uh, Leah, but he did not make a condition with Rachel. Therefore, even if it turns out that Rachel has vows, um, the marriage is still a valid marriage and he would he would need to give her a get. That's what the machloket is. But but if it's talking about just one plain case of one woman, Rachel and Leah, and he makes a conditional kiddushin, um, and then they get married. Everyone agrees that no get is required, even Rav. In other words, according to Rabbah's interpretation, uh, Rav and Shemuel would agree in the case that Abaye said uh, that if you get married on if you do kiddushin on condition and then get married without any condition that even Rav would agree with Shemuel that the everyone agrees that the condition of the kiddushin continues and uh, the person did not want to be married at all the marriage also is on condition and therefore retroactively if she has vows it's undone and does not require a get Okay, so that's Rabbah's interpretation. Now Abaye is going to challenge it a few times. Abaye said, hold on. Do you remember in the discussion we just had that we uh, challenged Shemuel 
based on our Mishnah. And uh, now Mishnah is talking about a case of just one woman. The Mishnah doesn't say anything that is about two women. It doesn't say he got married to one and got married to a and divorced or got married to a second. And yet we challenge him well from it. That means we must be talking about a case of only one woman. Okay, this this statement, by the way, is fascinating because um, Abaye is referring to a an anonymous challenge that we had before. H- how do you know that Rabah agrees to that challenge? Uh, it seems that both Abaye and Rabah received a kind of skeleton sugya that had Rav's opinion, Shemuel's opinion, a challenge to Shemuel from our Mishnah, all that was already included, uh, which means Abaye and Rabah were are responding to some an anonymous question. So therefore, not all anonymous statements, even though most of them are from the later editors of the Talmud, uh, here is a case of um, an anonymous question that Rabbi and Abaye both agree was already there before them, and they're just trying to figure out how it applies. Okay, so therefore, we cannot, that can't be exactly what Rabbi said. Rather, maybe we just got Rabbi's um, uh, interpretation a little bit off, and so here it is. Ela itmad, hachi itmad. If Rabbi said something, he must have said the following, because it has to make sense. The machlok between Rav and Shemuel is when you have an error or a deceit regarding one woman that is like two women. What does that mean? It means when there's only one woman involved, Yaakov and Leah, and they get married once on condition, um, and that marriage is good, she has no vows, but then they get divorced. After that, they get remarried, but in the remarriage of the same two people, he does not make a condition this time. So, should we assume that the condition of the first one continues, and then if she does have vows and the second marriage, Shemuel would say, yeah, it continues, and therefore the second marriage was never valid and no need for divorce. Rav says he made a condition in the first marriage, but who said that he still wants the condition to hold? In the second marriage, maybe not. Therefore, they do need a get. That's the machloket. So now it's all one woman. We're assuming that our Mishnah is in fact talking about a case of this one woman like two women, where he married her, divorced, and remarried her. That's why we asked her the, asked the question against Shemuel. But in a simple case where there's just one marriage to one woman, then for sure, even though the Kiddushin was on condition and the Nisuin was not on condition, nevertheless, the Kiddushin is retroactively annulled if she has vows and no need for a get. All right, good. So now we at least have an understandable uh, position of Rabbah, but Rabbah is going to challenge it anyway from a Baraita Itebe Rabbaye. Kiddisha Betaut. This has a few cases, this Baraita. The first one is relevant to us. If someone does kiddushin in error, error here means that he he thought that she didn't have a vow, but turns out she did have a vow. Right, right now we're assuming it means uh, that there was a conditional marriage, but it turned out the condition was not true. Or if a man does uh, kiddushin with like a paperclip, and uh, I guess thinking that it's it's good, but it's no good. It has to be at least worth the smallest denomination when he gives her money. Or a minor that does kiddushin on his own without his father involved, which is not a kiddushin. Even though he gives, he sends gifts that are worth money afterwards, as when he becomes an adult, nevertheless, when he gives the gifts, he doesn't have in mind that this will be for Kiddushin. And so that can't make up for the 
the uh, invalid Kiddushin that he made with a paperclip or when he was a minor. Because when he sends it, sends it, he's assuming that they already did Kiddushin. He thinks the Kiddushin was good, and these are just regular gifts. He doesn't think that these are gifts for Kiddushin. But at some point afterwards, if they do Bi'ah, when uh, she grows up, uh, then that Bi'ah will be considered uh, Kiddushin, because you could do Kiddushin, not only through money, you could do it through Bi'ah. And therefore, he will have in mind that uh, you know, just in case the one before uh, wasn't good, this will be the valid Kiddushin, and so they are married. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda. Uh, he said, not necessarily, since they, he thought that they had Kiddushin, so he doesn't have in mind that he's doing the, the next Bi'ah for Kiddushin, and therefore they're actually not married. Okay, now, now going back to the the first case where he um, so what kind of case we're we talking about of an error isn't it that he made a condition that oh, I want you not to have vows it turned out that she didn't reveal that she had vows but she did and when he finds out so then uh, retroactively it will not uh, that's the question is it a Kiddushin or not so here's exactly our case because they do the Kiddushin on condition but then they do they do have a Nisuin right? that's the, the Bi'ah that they have later and they continue to live together so there is a Bi'ah later without condition and it's subject to a Machloket between Tanaim but Rabbi you said that in a case where a simple case there's no divorce but just just one one woman one wedding that there is no controversy right here there is a controversy about it so what are you going to do with that Rabba um, Abaya asks and he responds Lo ta'ut pachut piruta. no the ta'ut case in the Baraita is actually talking about Kiddushah Betaut is the same as Pachot Mishaveh Peruta. He mistakenly thought that you can use less than a penny um, even though that wasn't true. Okay, so it's not we're not talking about a case of a conditional marriage because of vows. Alright, How could you understand it that way? That's the very next case is using less than a Peruta. So we already have that case. We quote the Baraita. See, it has two cases. We answer, one is an explanation of the, the second explanation of the first. If one does a mistaken marriage, what's, what kind of mistaken marriage? For example, you use something worth, worth less than a peruta thinking that it was okay. But in fact, this Braita is not talking about a conditional marriage at all. And so we resolve that question. All right, next. In this Braita, what is at the essence of their Machloket? The Tanakama must think that a person actually knows that Kiddushin is not valid if you use less than the Peruta. So even though they did this uh, marriage ceremony, this Kiddushin ceremony, he knows that it was fake. And therefore, when they have Bi'ah, he has in mind, this will be actually for Kiddushin. And that's why, after that, they are married. Omor Sabad, whereas Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda says, Not everybody studied Masechet Kiddushin. Not everybody knows that 
that the marriage is invalid. He thinks that he gave her a paperclip and that's fine. And therefore, when he does Bi'ah, he assumes that they already had a valid Kiddushin. He does not have in mind that this Bi'ah will be for Kiddushin. All right, good. Now that we explained that, Badaita, we have another question against Rabbah. A man says, we're going to have bi'ah now, and this bi'ah should be for kiddushin on condition that my father will uh, will agree to it. Um, now, and it turns out that the father doesn't. says, even if the father did not agree to this marriage, and you know he doesn't like this girl or whatever reason he objects to it. Um, nevertheless, they are mikudeshit because uh, we assume that a person does not want his bi'ah to be uh, for for promiscuity. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda Omer Mishum Rabbi Shimon Dasahav mikudeshit Lo Dasahav and Namikudeshit. Rabbi Shimon says that if we follow his condition, if the condition is fulfilled, then they, the kiddushin is valid. If not, then it's not valid. Now this case, a, this is a second and second challenge to Rabbah by Abaye. Here's the case that um, is a, a mistaken marriage, a mistaken, just like in our case, it's a conditional marriage, basically saying that this Kiddushin should be dependent on the following condition, and then they have Bi'ah, so is it valid or not? And is a subject to a machloket. But Abba, you said that there is no machloket about a case of one man and one marriage. And so everyone should agree that the, the condition does apply. And the condition that he made continues to apply even as they, as they um, have beyond live together. So, so Rabbah can answer, no, this machloket there is about a different matter. When it says, if my father agrees, what does it mean to agree, right? Is it not objecting or actually saying yes? So, Tanakama, who say that they, they, uh, they are married, he says that what he meant is that on condition that my father is quiet, doesn't object. And let's assume assume that the father was quiet, did not object, and therefore they are married. No, when uh, uh, according to the Bishimon, he meant if my father agrees, it means he has to agree positively and say, yes, I agree to this marriage. And he was just quiet. He didn't say yes. And that's why the condition is not fulfilled and therefore they are not married. So their makhluk, it depends on just a question of what does agreement mean and uh, uh, but in fact, uh, any condition that's made before before the uh, beforehand uh, during kiddushin, it does continue even during the bi'ah. We continue with one more challenge on this staff, at least is more on the next staff, but from Abaye against Rabbah. Itibe modim chachamim l'Rabbi Eliezer b'ktana shesiah abiha venit garsha v'yitoma bechayav. Disagree regarding Yibum cases, we're going to see. But they agree that if a minor, her father married this minor off, that marriage is a biblical marriage because a father has a biblical right to marry off his daughter. And they get mar- they get divorced. If she's still a minor, they get divorced. And now she is like an orphan, even though 
her father is alive. Um, the law is that a father cannot marry her off biblically a second time. So if, while she's a minor, she goes and remarries that same guy, uh, but this time it's only a rabbinic marriage, and let's say they he dies without children, can she do yibum? She cannot do yibum. She has to do chalitza and not yibum because on the biblical level, level, she is now no longer married to this guy and therefore the brother would be her former husband's brother, which is her brother-in-law, and that would be erva. So not permitted, even though on a drabanan level, they are married, uh, they are married. But the, rabbinic, uh, the biblical level is more important here, so they have to do halitza. Her divorce from her first marriage is a full divorce. She can get fully divorced. The father accepts the divorce. But her second marriage to the same guy is not a full marriage. Good. The continues. When is this true that there's no machloket? When she got divorced as a minor and remarried also as a minor, then the second marriage is But if they got divorced when she was a minor, but then the second marriage when, when she was an adult, as an adult, she has the power to make another a full, a full uh, marriage. Or the second marriage was when she was a minor, but then she grew up during the marriage, became an adult, and they continued. They had B.I. at least once after she grew up, and only then he died, Umet. Then, then he can uh, do, then she can do chalitza or yibum, meaning that because she grew up within the marriage, this, this last case, that's the significant one here, uh, we assume that the biyah that they have after she grows up, he's going to have in mind and say, uh, this, is, uh, this will be for a full marriage. He wants it to be a full marriage, and so that will be the one that makes a Doraita marriage, and therefore you, they can do Yibum. That's Tanakama. Mishim Rabbi Eliezer Amru, Choleset Velomit Yabemet. He says, no, he can have to, he still has to do Chalitza. Because how do you know? Maybe where he wanted to, to continue the marriage as it was as a minor and did not have in mind that it should be for uh, for making this marriage into a Doraita marriage. And so it could still be that's a Drabanan marriage. So now here's the question. This case is similar. Now, it's not exactly the same as a conditional marriage, but it's similar in the sense that uh, it's, a, it's a marriage that's only the Rabbanan, and she can get out of it by refusing. So in that sense, it's kind of on condition, and then there's a bi'ah after that condition uh, runs out. Once she's an adult, she cannot refuse anymore, and there is a bi'ah after. So you have a machloket here, whether that bi'ah continues to be conditional or now is a new thing. And so since this is similar to the case of Rav and Shemuel, and Rabbah said, uh, Rabbah said that there is no controversy regarding a case where there was some kind of condition and then there was a bi'ah, but here there is a condition. That's a challenge to Rabbah, and we answer. Uh, there is a machloket here, but they're not arguing on whether 
the bi'ah after the condition continues the condition or not. They're arguing about something else. They're arguing about the literacy of most people. Um, uh, uh, the first Tanakh here says, most people know that when you do Kiddushin with a minor and the father is not involved, even though this case is tricky because the father could be involved, but it's her second marriage. So everybody knows that this kid, this marriage is not a biblical marriage. Therefore, when she's an adult, he's going to have in mind that it's for Kiddushin, and therefore it's a full marriage. Whereas uh, the Rabbi Eliezer does not think that people do not know that this Kiddushin was not good. And therefore, when they do a bi'ah, after she becomes an adult, he's assuming that they were already married, so he doesn't have in mind that this will be for marriage, and that's why it's just a matter of what he has in mind based on his knowledge of the law or lack of knowledge of the law, but in fact it's not related to Machoket Rav and Shemuel, and so Rabbah is able to defend himself once again. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen.